identity flows from who we are in Jesus. You are a son or daughter in Christ. That, that you have been paid for, you've been purchased at the cross. That his value for you doesn't increase because, oh, David, you just gave a really big prophetic word. I just love you so much extra. No, no, no. It, God so loved you that he went to the cross before you ever did a thing for him, before you ever served him. His love is 100% for you, which means we don't enter this prophetic ministry with a goal of pleasing God more. Does this make sense? Now, there's layers of that that might be inside of our hearts that as we go, God's going to just begin to kind of reveal and begin to heal. But I want to encourage you is that we're going to talk about prophecy a lot. It's going to feel a little lopsided, but you have to understand we're doing it because he places value in 1 Corinthians on spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. However, your identity doesn't come from a couple sentences in the New Testament. It comes from the whole of the New Testament. It comes from the whole of the cross. It comes from the whole of Jesus' teaching about identity. Your identity is something that is the bedrock for spiritual gifts instead of the spiritual gifts being the bedrock for your identity. Now, a lot of us might come from, uh, most of the room is kind of grew up in a church environment where we tend to celebrate the most gifted person in the room. Does this make sense? That the most gifted man or woman of God, that give, most gifted person, what we do is we begin to say that is the most gifted person in the room. So as a result, there can't be anyone more gifted than them. So now we just, we, we just limited a whole group of people on their level of giftedness by the person that we think is most gifted. Does this make sense? Like it kind of creates a glass ceiling effect. You know, there are people in this room more gifted than I am. Did you know that? There, some of you guys are, more, are way more gifted than I am. Some of you are more gifted in different things. Our goal isn't to create the, the most gifted person as the one that gets the most attention. Our goal is to recognize that through gifting, we get to give glory to Jesus. So we don't dismiss or reject the invitation to powerfully move into spiritual gifts. But instead, we put it in its proper place. And its proper place belongs to the one that is fully devoted to Jesus. The servant Messiah is just looking for servants to follow him. Okay? All right. So I want to talk about a couple things, and then we're going to dig into some notes, and we're going to pass those out here in a moment. Um, when we operate in God's voice, when we operate in God's voice, did you know when you revisit something that God told you, when you revisit a word that God has given you, uh, it begins to have more dimension to it. Does this make sense? You begin to, if you, if you revisit something that God spoke to you, you, you actually start to encounter his presence through that word again, even though that word may have been given to you a year ago. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? So what we find is this, is there, there's a progressive unveiling of God's presence through the prophetic. That, that through prophetic words, there's a, pro, there, there's a progressive unveiling of the nature of God when, when, when we give prophetic words. Now, when I'm saying when we give prophetic words, are those prophetic words over your life? I'm talking about the, real, the good prophetic words. Mm-hmm. Not everything is a great prophetic word. you guys know that? Yeah. I mean, who here has given nothing but great prophetic, accurate words your whole life? Okay. Well, my wife, but that is true. <laughs> she is an angel on earth, manifest in bodily form. No. <laughs> is that just, just like things like the healing ministry, uh, I'm not 100%. I've prayed for people and they didn't get healed. It doesn't mean I'm going to dismiss the opportunity, invitation, promise, and priority to, to pray for the sick. Does this make sense? So when I'm talking about what are those prophetic words that, that God has spoken to you, I'm talking about the ones that are, that are prophetic words, not the ones that 
that someone gave you and it just, you know, it just didn't land right. We're going to talk about handling prophetic words later. But what, think about this. What, is, what was some of the earliest uh, that you remember God speaking to you? J- just take a moment. I want you to just recall some of the earliest times that you recognize that God speaks and that he was personally speaking to you. He may have been personally revealing, personally revealing himself to you. Just take a moment. Think back on your own journey here for a second. I want you to just go to that place. Just recall it. You know, as you go there, just continue to think through. Just mind that little history with the Lord in your life. I remember a friend of mine, uh, he was really wanted to hear God's voice, and he, he knew Jesus, but he was really putting a lot of pressure on himself to hear God's voice. And I'll never forget this. Uh, he was like, I just don't hear God's voice. I like, love him, but I just, I, I just don't hear his voice. And uh, what happened was uh, he went to a training uh, on hearing God's voice, and he discovered he was putting so much pressure on himself to hear God's voice that he couldn't hear anything. <laughs> It was just the weight of the world on him to like, I gotta like hear God's voice, you know. And as soon as that thing just, he's, he just yielded that thing, just like, oh, that's not from you, Jesus. Like, you wouldn't put that pressure on me. As soon as he yielded that thing, he began to hear God's voice like day and night. And you know what God kept on telling him? And he, was, he, was, he thought God was gonna tell him like the secret mysteries of the kingdom, and all the hidden knowledge in the spirit realm, and every, every answer to every test in his life that he didn't have an answer to, right? What should I do here? God, what, where should I go there? Where should I blah, blah, blah? You know what God taught? Didn't, God didn't talk to him about any of that. For months, all he kept her hearing from the Lord was, I love you. I mean, it was to the point that that thing needed to happen so that he knew God's love for him before God began to really use him powerfully in prophetic ministry. And he began to have a powerful prophetic ministry. Unbelievable. What were some of the first things that, is everyone, can you guys think of the, one of the early days that God was speaking to you? Yeah? Okay. Now what I want you to do is I want you to just go turn to your neighbor, uh, and I want you to share, like, share your, your testimony, share that, that time. What was one of the earliest accounts that you can remember of just God speaking to you? It doesn't have to be grand. It could just be that simple thing of him saying for weeks and days or months, I love you. I began to recognize God was speaking to me. What, what is that thing? I'm going to give you guys a couple minutes. Just partner up. Uh, if you don't have a partner, just raise your hand. We'll make sure you guys get connected. But you can just look around you. If anyone needs a pal or partner, just go ahead and, and, and connect with them. Give you guys just a couple minutes. Just share uh, a little bit of the context, like where, where were you in life, and then what do you feel like God said to you?
If you haven't switched yet, please do. Hopefully you have. Right now, extroverts are ruling this room. Give you guys just another minute, and then we're going to... We're going to move on. (laughs) All right. Everyone should be getting a packet right now. Yeah. Yeah, of course. All right, everyone's getting an extra student packet right now. This is just kind of a packet of notes that we'll journey through here probably tonight and in two weeks from now, maybe a little bit next week. How many of you um, could remember maybe those earlier uh, words from the Lord? How many of you, just by sharing it, got a little encouraged? I hope you got a little encouraged. You know, when we share that word, what we're doing is we're actually revisiting the joy of the testimony of the Lord according to Psalm 119. That the joy, Lord, your testimonies are my joy. That revisiting what he's done, actually we begin to encounter what he said. Does that make sense, guys? So when we talk about the progressive unveiling, you just had another layer of God's presence revealed to you through you sharing that word, that early word, that early uh, thing he whispered to you. Now, how many of you guys know this? When it comes to hearing God's voice, uh, we're going to talk about this uh, a little bit, that God doesn't always speak in English, right? right? Do you know that Jesus didn't, didn't speak in English? I know it's a weird thing to say because all of our scriptures are in English and, you know, we tend to view Jesus sometimes through our culture, but man, God, he is the creator. How many ways can he speak to you? You know why he can speak to you so many ways? It's because he knows you and he made you. He knows what makes you tick. He, he, he made you with intentionality. The way that you're hardwired is different from the person around you, and he actually likes the way that he created you. And there's different ways that God wants to speak to us. There's different measures of where we just kind of run to, like we just default to like we hear God this way, and then we might get stretched to hear God a different way. But the person next to me, they're not stretched by hearing God that way, but I am. Does this make sense? That when it comes to hearing God's voice, really a better definition of, of prophecy at its foundation is connecting with God. Because he might not be speaking, he might be showing you something. Does this make sense? That, that how many of you, I know we're getting ahead, we're going to talk about seers this quarter. Like we're going to talk about that. Uh, how many of you, you're like a seer? Like you just, you tend to see things that, like as one of the ways God speaks to you is you might see images or maybe, you know, maybe actually like images begin to, God begins to speak to you through something you physically see. Like things like that. You know, the, the, the Old Testament prophets were actually called seers. We, we, the English equivalent that we use for Old Testament, it, prophet is, is prophet. The, the closer thing in the Hebrew is actually seer, meaning, meaning, I want you to imagine catching the ways that God wants to connect with you. 
That's really the heart when it comes to, to prophecy and to hearing God's voice is connecting with God and sharing what he says. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love, yet eagerly desire or earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So what is the purpose of the gift of prophecy according to 1 Corinthians 14? It says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. For their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Uh, really, really important. You know, we believe that hearing God is such a gift and such a delight. We hear him for ourselves, but we're also going to be hearing him for people and situations around us. You know, there's, there's a phrase that I, I've really enjoyed using uh, is hearing God is you're hearing his preferred future for you or for something. That's his preferred future. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen, but that's his preferred future. He is looking for partnership for that to happen. And sometimes partnership is just as simple as someone going to believe it. And other times partnership could actually be uh, action steps that the Lord might take you. It's just called obedience. God gave Noah an, a, a really strong prophetic word about what's to come. Well, Noah had to do something with it. Does this make sense? He had to build something. He had an assignment to obey. So when we talk about hearing God's voice, when we talk about uh, partnering with him, uh, when we hear him, He's beginning to show you his preferred future for something. He's beginning to show you what could be when it comes to, to a, uh, a foretelling word. So where do prophecies come from? True prophetic words originate from the Holy Spirit. We can probably close in prayer and leave from here. True prophetic ministry originates from the person of Holy Spirit. It doesn't, it's not your best intentions uh, to, to pray for someone or to hear God for something. It's actually true prophetic ministry originates from Holy Spirit. So who gets to prophesy? It says this in Acts 2. It's in your notes. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even all my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Just really interesting here. Acts 2, so the book of Acts is where we commonly think as Christians of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? Broad stroke. What happens in Acts 2? Outpouring of Holy Spirit. What happens in the first three, four, five, six chapters of Acts? Outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and then the repercussions thereafter, right? I mean, just the amazing cities being turned upside down. That when we begin to see this book of Acts a little bit more closely, we actually see something really interesting. That, that the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is constantly accompanied by prophecy, it's constantly accompanied by the prophetic ministry beginning to have a, 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 um, a, a foundation amongst God's people. Really, really interesting that prophecy and the pouring out of the Spirit are constantly married together. So in Acts 2, it says this, and you know, that in these last days, he's going to pour a Spirit on all flesh. That means this. You guys have to, we have to get this deeper in our hearts here for a moment. See, in the Old Testament, uh, kings and prophets would see glimpses of the future. And Jesus actually told his followers that kings and prophets long to see what you're now seeing. Does this make sense? That, that, that they, we see in part, we know in part. Well, now that we have Holy Spirit, that the prophets of old weren't filled with Holy Spirit. Does this make sense? They prophesied under the unction of Holy Spirit. You have a better covenant. He now lives inside of you. Okay, so now in the New Testament, as New Testament believers, when it comes to prophecy, we have a situation where apparently God wants to pour his spirit out on all flesh, Jew and Gentile. 
on all flesh. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm right. On all flesh. Meaning the person who doesn't deserve it, who is cussing people out, working at a corner store deli, God wants to prophesy over him. He loves him. He wants to, he wants to strengthen and encourage him, guys. Because we're in the days of the Spirit being poured out on all flesh. You have to understand, most, most of creation up until this point, like it wasn't until 2,000 years ago that we entered into this day. The 1,000 years before that, we weren't in that day. The Spirit wasn't being poured out on all flesh. In fact, there was a 400-year period before John the Baptist showed up that God seemed to pause his voice to Israel. Did you know you never have to worry about that? You, don't, you never have to worry about that because of the cross. Not because of your church going and your tithing and you're going to hear God. It's because of Jesus. It's all about Jesus, guys. It's all about Jesus. Because, his, because what he did at the cross and then was resurrected, now the spirit is being poured out on all flesh. So that means this. Everyone is a target now to have an encounter with God. Everyone on the planet, because we're living in a day of grace. We're not de- living in a day of judgment yet. Did you know that? When, when he read out of the scroll, Jesus out of Isaiah, he stopped at that point. That we're still, that is the cultural context spiritually of what it looks like now to enter into prophetic ministry. To hear God because God wants to speak to those around him. All right. <clears throat> First uh, Peter 2.9, uh, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Really important scripture here uh, when it comes to your identity, that you are a royal priesthood. Come on, Jesus. You're a royal priesthood before you ever prophesied, before you ever heard God's voice. You're in there. But now, part of our mission you're going to hear us say this a lot in CSSM, is that you are two sides of the same coin, that you are created to be loved, but you're anointed for purpose. That you're created to be loved, but there's an anointing on your life for purpose. You're not anointed just so that you can enjoy your own anointing. I don't even know how that would work. You're anointed for purpose. So you're a chosen priest of a royal family. You're God's special possession, man. You are the apple of his eye, but... He also has purpose for you. So Peter says to proclaim the wonderful, marvelous nature of his presence, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into light, that we now have an anointing to step into. Prophetic ministry is recognizing, discerning, and following the leading of the Spirit. Really, really simple stuff, but very important that we revisit that. Prophetic ministry is recognizing, discerning, and following the leading of the Spirit. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the spiritual gift of prophecy. You can find this in 1 Corinthians 12, 14. Uh, This was a gift that was unlocked for believers at the cross of Christ and is accessible now through the Spirit. Now, some of you guys have heard some of this before, um, and some of this might be a little bit new. Um, I love what what the author, Chris Vallotton, Chris Vallotton is a senior associate pastor out of Bethel Church in Redding, California. Uh, The author this quarter, you know what he calls uh, uh, spiritual gifts? He calls them the love language of heaven. That spiritual gifts are the love languages of heaven for a dying planet. You know, uh, one of my love languages for my wife is gift giving. If I even sniff that she wants something, I will find a way to get that thing. (laughs) 
It's really, it's, it's a real thing. It's, you know, not everyone has it. Some people is service. How many of you are like, service is my jam? Like, I love serving or I love when people serve me. It's not, it's not self-serving to say that. It's actually just part of your love language. It's okay. You know, when, 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 when my wife, when she, she, she doesn't buy stuff for herself. So it's, we're, a great, we're a great pairing. We're a great fit. Because I don't really like buying stuff for myself, but I love buying stuff for other people. It's just one of the ways that I can express connection and affection and love for people. And for me, that's just, I just love doing it. It doesn't have to be a, a lot of money, but just small things go a long way. And, and honestly, I don't, personally, I don't try. I just think of stuff. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not like, oh, what's, I don't even go to stores. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a shopper. But God will give me ideas that mean something to somebody else. Does this make sense? But when it comes to, so there's a gift-giving thing for me that's a love language. But when it comes to my wife, it is on steroids. It is just crazy. And, uh, you know, when, when it comes to the love languages of heaven, you know, God, it's almost like this. It's almost like when it comes to the spiritual gifts or the love languages of heaven, of course, Chris Valentine, it's almost like God's on the edge of his seat releasing all these gifts, waiting for his believers to actually take him up on an offer to show the world what he's like. Does that make sense? That, that when we begin to move in spiritual gifts, we're beginning to show the world what God is like. The gift of prophecy, remember, is for strengthening, comforting. Like, the gift of prophecy is for edification. Why? Because that's what God is like. That God is comforting. God is also strengthening. Come on, Jesus. He will strengthen that backbone, man. But he's also edifying. He wants to build you up into your most holy faith. He actually wants to build you up into who you are. The love languages of heaven. I just, I, I really appreciate that kind of language. There's a couple different ways. We're going to talk about the office of a prophet uh, and the difference between a, a prophet and a prophetic uh, gifting. We're going to talk about that down the road. We, we actually have a whole night we're going to spend uh, talking about that. Uh, Mary wants to talk about it. It's going to be really, really good. So I'm going to skip some of that for tonight. But when it comes to different ways, different prophetic, um, uh, different prophetic giftings, prophecy can be present foretelling or forthtelling. So prophecy can be present-driven, it can be foretelling, or it can be forthtelling. So I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit here. Uh, we're going to kind of revisit uh, whatever page that's on with you guys, page three or four, in a moment. But I want to come back to this, is that prophecy in its nature is present, foretelling, or forthtelling. What do I mean by that? When it comes to something that's present, um, Let's say this. So Rachel and I, uh, we went and we bapt. We or I baptized. Um, I baptized somebody in April um, in a pool. So we baptized one of her cousins who was really just coming to the Lord, just really on fire. And so we were driving over there, and we just asked, "Okay, Holy Spirit, like, what do you have to say about Abby tonight? She's awesome. She comes to church here. And what do you? What, is there a word you have for Abby as we drive over there? Not tonight during the day." And uh, we were driving over there, and we both got some really interesting words for her. And so we went over uh, to, to her house and, and shared a little bit about baptism. And, and uh, before, before I baptized her, uh, we just kind of shared that word. Like, hey, we, just, we, we believe God speaks, and this is what we're hearing. Is that okay if we share it with you? She's like, yeah. And uh, I shared a word with her that was about uh, spiritual warfare. Do you remember that? Oh, I actually shared a little bit about that today, actually, on Ephesians. But I saw her putting on... Uh, the armor of God in her bedroom, and just at night when no one was looking, and that God was really 
God is going to uh, infuse in her a strength for the future, but right now he's building her into his presence. But it had to do with really the armor of God being put on, that, that she was really uh, stepping into that kind of warrior princess sort of identity that I feel like God had for her. Well, we, we, we go there, we share that, and she's just like, oh my gosh. She goes, I couldn't sleep at all last night. I couldn't sleep at all. I've been getting attacked in the night. My sleep has been disrupted. My, it's just been really, really tough. She goes, and last night, I read Ephesians 6. She, she's like, I read that, and then I was able to go to sleep. Why? Because she's growing in her faith. And here's a word for her in her present moment that spoke about God's presence in her life. Does that make sense? So that would be like a present word, something that God is actively doing, and, and someone comes and speaks something, and it begins to give clarity to your present moment, what you're maybe going through. When it comes to a foretelling word, this is something where um, you are, someone gives you a word about, about maybe what's to come. So foretelling is focused on what's to come. So for instance, uh, one of our amazing CSSM graduates, uh, uh, Jack, he was in a prayer meeting and they were giving Bibles and backpacks to go to Mexico. And so this was like, this was not that long ago, this was like 18 months ago. And uh, he's at this meeting, he's not going, but a group of people are going to Mexico and they're like smuggling in Bibles to this really, really tough area of Mexico. And so they're at a prayer meeting together, and Jack has a prophetic word that he told them, when you guys get to Mexico, uh, you're going to get detoured, but it's okay. It's going to be a longer route to get to that village, and that it's okay. Don't be discouraged by that. So, that, you know, they just kind of shared it, and, you know, everyone's like, okay, cool, like right on. And, you know, a little bit weeks, months, a little time and space happen. Well, what happened? They go to Mexico, and they began to get uh, really a lot of pushback from local police about what they were doing, and they intentionally detoured them another route away from the village that they were headed at. Does that make sense? And, but they, in that moment, the team remembered Jack's word. They remembered it, and they, they just started celebrating God. They could have been really discouraged. Like, they literally had to go south, and they were told to go west. Does this make sense? Well, they just start worshiping God, and they got to the village, and it was like a crazy powerful time. Why? In that moment, they recalled that foretelling word that, that someone shared with them, and it gave them strength for the moment that they were in. Does that make sense? So it was really, it's about something that is to come, that's to happen. And finally, foretelling. This is where calling something from your future into your present. This is something where um, uh, the Holy Spirit, the angel of the Lord, comes and calls Gideon a mighty warrior. I don't know that he was operating as a mighty warrior at that time, if you guys remember the story. He was actually hiding. He didn't want anything to do with anything. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, no, you're a mighty warrior, meaning he's calling something from his future into his present. So, so, so foretelling is, is when Jesus you know, calls Peter a rock. This is before Peter rejected him. This is when he was as shaky as can be. And Jesus is like, no, you're a rock. Why? He called in. His, the preferred future of God on Peter's life and spoken into his present. So this is something he's forthtelling. Does this make sense? This is who you're going to become, and I want you to, to begin to see yourself through that lens now. So it wasn't an event that was to come. It was actually, does this make sense? Who he was always destined to be that got pulled into the moment. How many of you know that's really encouraging when that happens to you? <laughs> no one else is encouraged. I'm going to be encouraged. That's so cool when that happens to you. So, um, there's a couple different ways 
that when it comes to the spirit of prophecy, you guys have in your notes a couple pages earlier, um, there's a couple different ways that we see biblically uh, prophecy really uh, having corporate anointing. One of them is through the spirit of the prophets. This is where you get the famous passage uh, in 1 Samuel where Saul, who's not a prophet, gets around the prophets and now he is a prophet. Like now he is prophesying. And so much so, they're like, is that Saul? He's, he's with the prophets now? Like, what's going on with that? There's a spirit of prophecy that can come into a corporate environment. There's a spirit of prophecy that can come into a group, three, four, five people. How many of you have been around someone really prophetic, just has that prophetic anointing, and you start to catch some of that thing, man? You start to catch some of that gifting. It's just, you're just drafting on you. You're not doing anything. You didn't, like, say an extra prayer that day. You didn't fast that morning. Uh, but all of a sudden, you get around some people that are moving, and all of a sudden, you're kind of catching this wind. This is a spirit of prophecy. This is this, that, that spirit of prophecy that can, that can be on a group of people. Um, this, is, this enables men and women who do not normally operate in the gift of prophecy or the office of prophet to speak under the inspiration of the Lord. So uh, the love languages of heaven, we, we did talk about that a little bit. Um, the passage in 1 Corinthians I, I want to talk about here is where it says, Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So I had a mentor who went through, um, uh, he got his PhD, um, in, his PhD in systematic theology, and his dissertation was based upon the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, where he unpacks this amazing study on where it says, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts, brethren. This is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And then Paul begins to unpack all these spiritual gifts and we see this now in, in uh, two chapters later, 1 Corinthians 14, the supremacy, apparently, of prophecy. Eagerly desire those spiritual gifts that Paul just mentioned, but especially that you may prophesy. prophesy. Well, that beginning part, he did his dissertation on. And what he found uh, was that where it says, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Two things. One, spiritual gifts are real and active, and the church at that day didn't know about it. Meaning, just because it's operating in someone else's life doesn't mean you're disqualified for it, but you can pass it by if you don't pay attention to it. Yeah. Meaning, don't be ignorant to spiritual gifts. Just because there's stuff that we don't understand still doesn't mean we should be ignorant to it. Right. Does, does this make sense, guys? Just because maybe you've seen an expression of it that was maybe um, a, dis, a distortion of a healthy version of it doesn't mean that the gift isn't good. We just saw it practice poorly. So we can ignore spiritual gifts if we want. You totally can. You can be like, you know, you can never experience prophecy. You can never experience God moving through you through a spiritual gift and still love Jesus. The whole church was. So Paul wrote them a letter and said, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. This is really huge. So one, we can actually miss it if we want to. That there's a part of us, there's things in the kingdom that are given to you at birth, and then there's things in the kingdom that you're gonna get through pursuit. Does this make sense? It doesn't mean striving, but it does mean an intentionality to begin to, to eagerly desire things that God says eagerly desire. Yeah. All right. Now, the second part here, and this is what really helped me a lot, is he did a word study, and he really dug deep here in his, with his Ph.D. dissertation. And he found that the that phrase, spiritual gifts, as translated in every single New Testament uh, Bible, is a good translation. However, what the word actually says is, is, is charism, it's, it's the root word there, and that means grace. 
if you really break down that, that phrase, it doesn't say spiritual gifts, although that's a totally fine. You know what it says? It says grace things. I don't want you to be ignorant of these grace things. Why is that important? Because I want us to make sure, I want you to connect. It was given, it's by grace. It's not by earning. It, it's, not, it's not a reward, it's a gift. It, it's not about doing it right. It's about a gift, of, a, a gift that Jesus purchased for us at the cross and a gift of the Holy, and it's this grace thing. It's like this thing. How many of you know it? It's kind of mysterious. It's kind of mysterious how this works. If you go to someone and they're like, I know, I can tell you, brother, how every spiritual gift operates from the heavenly realm all the way to your hands, I would just say, I don't think you do. I don't think you do, because the nature of the kingdom is there's mystery in it. Paul would even write things like, like the mystery of the kingdom is the Jew and Gentile wall has been removed. He goes, I don't even know how I can describe these things. There, there's, a, there's, a, a na- there's a dimension of the kingdom that's, that's a mystery. Does this make sense? And these grace things, these are things that we get to operate in as followers of Jesus. But they're these things that we get to explore. We, we hold loosely for our identity, but we actually hold them tightly for the purposes of heaven on earth. Now, how many of you, when we did that exercise earlier, uh, it says this in John 10, my sheep hear my voice. How many of you recognize that the first time you heard God's voice was when you began to turn to him? Did you know that? It says that before you loved him, before you knew him, he called you. Did you know you didn't choose God, he chose you? And that you just simply responded. That before, that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Meaning this, you heard him before you ever knew him. You heard his voice before you knew him. You just simply responded to his voice for salvation. It wasn't of your accord. You didn't make a good decision. You responded to his drawing of you. It wasn't independent. He was totally behind it the whole time. He was calling you from a young age. You know, the Billy Graham Association, I've shared this a number of times, uh, they did a study on how many gospel touches it takes for someone to get saved. I think I've mentioned this here before. Um, but it, the, very close, someone said it over here. The amount of gospel touches, that's just on average, how many times someone needs to have an encounter with Jesus, hear the gospel, or have some sort of direct interaction with the good news, is that they found on average 26 times for someone to give their life to Jesus. How many of you know that was Jesus talking to you 26 times? You just decided to listen to 26. Does this make sense? That, that we actually hear God's voice before we ever knew him. That's why there's not a pressure to all of a sudden get good at it. You were good at it before you ever knew him because he made you. You're going to hear this phrase a lot. All fruitfulness flows from intimacy. All fruitfulness in life and godliness. All fruitfulness in your marriage. All fruitfulness in your business, in your schooling. All fruitfulness in ministry flows from intimacy with Jesus. Jesus goes to a whole commentary on this in John 15 about a vine and a branch and the relationship therein. That, that all fruitfulness flows from intimacy. The goal of growing in prophecy is knowing Jesus better and sharing his voice with those around us. All right, you guys doing okay? There's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of information here we're dumping on you. But let me know if I need to slow down or if there's anything that, that, that needs to be cleared up. All right, so if you're like me, I want to learn uh, how do I grow in God's voice? You know, you're here today, you know, there's, there, there's, 
there's a reason that you're here because God has an upgrade, so to speak, for you to hear and discern his voice. And I love learning how I can get better at something, how I can, how I can grow in this area of hearing God's voice. All right, so a couple things. Um, you want to put yourself in a position for, to hear God's voice. It says in Habakkuk 2.1, it says, I, stand upon, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say to me. The Habakkuk positioned himself to catch the wind of the Lord, to, to, hear, to hear what he would say. He actually says to see what he would say, so that's a whole other thing, but because he's a seer. So how many of you know God will say things to you that has nothing to do with words sometimes? It can be an inner witness. It can be a presence. It can be a picture. It can all of a sudden, it can be, we're going to talk about the ways God speaks. But we want to position ourselves to practice hearing God's voice. So how many of you are, are morning devotional people? That's just your jam. That's where you love connecting with Jesus. You know, you're, you are setting yourself up to, by having morning devotions, it doesn't have to be the first thing you do in bed. You can get a cup of coffee or tea. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Lord. Now, you, you can have, you can have, it doesn't have, how do I say this? God created you and he likes how he created you. So uh, some people, it's eating a bowl of cereal. Some people, it might be having a cup of coffee. Some people, it might be they work out first and then they're going to hear God. Some people, uh, they're going to hear him before work. Some, does this make sense? There's not, a, there's not a right way. It's just about how, how do you best position yourself to hear God's voice? And when you know that this is, this is good for me, God wired me this way, for me personally, the quietness of the morning, I'm the first, I usually get up first, I love that for me personally. I, I, it just, it's just the way God wired me, is that I like stillness, and so that is where I, I tend to ask God questions, and I tend to just spend some time with Jesus. I tell him about my day, I tell him about the stuff I'm intimidated by, I tell him about the stuff I don't have an answer to, Jesus. I have no idea how we're going to do that meeting later. Lord, I need your help there. You just begin to talk to him, not like, Lord, what is the mighty prophetic word for the power hour of the moment? We, we actually we want to position ourselves relationally with Jesus. It's out of relationship it flows, but recognizing how you can position yourself best is really important. Second thing is listen consistently. It says Isaiah 50 verse 4, he awakens me morning by morning to listen. That's something, you know, a practice of somehow capturing it. It could be writing it down. It could be video memoing it, uh, but, but, but capturing it somehow and being consistent in that space. Spend time in God's word. We did a whole quarter last quarter on the value of God's voice. You know, God will speak to you. When you're absent of God's word, you're going to have a hard time discerning his voice in a crowded room. There's going to be a lot of voices in your head. It's a crowded room sometimes. You're going to have a hard time recognizing what is your father's voice if you're not reading the word that is your father's voice in writing. Does this make sense? Being in the word is so incredibly valuable, not just for recognition and discernment, but also, we're going to talk about this later, is weighing the word, is actually recognizing, is this a word from the Lord? Is that his voice? Sometimes it's really clear, and other times we want to go through a testing process, according to the Bible. Finally, uh, obey him in the little things. This is huge. He, will, he that is faithful in little will be faithful also in much. You know, if, if God's speaking to you about something in your life and you're not responding to it, don't expect him to bring you increase to speak into other people's lives. I'm just going to say that one again. If he's speaking into your life, which I have news for you, he's speaking into your life somewhere. Yeah. 
and, and, and you're, you, are willing, you are intentionally dismissing it or refusing to engage with him in that place. Maybe it's just a painful place. Or maybe it's just a place that you got a little spirit of disobedience on you and God's trying so hard to help you get free from it. Does this make sense, guys? If we're not willing to respond to the places he's speaking into you, don't expect an upgrade for him to use you to speak into other people's lives. You know, when we obey him in those little things, we actually see more and more, how do I say this? It's almost as though he trusts you with more. He trusts you, because you have to understand this. Heaven and earth will pass away. What's going to remain? You can go ahead. There's no, I'm not, this isn't like a, a wrong, this isn't that pastor thing where I ask you something you're not going to answer right. Just to the best of your ability, it says this in scripture, heaven and earth will pass away, and what will remain? His word will remain. You know what else is going to remain in that? You. Why am I saying that? Because you're that valuable to him. And more importantly, maybe, the person on your left and right and the stranger on the street is that valuable to him. So, if we want him to trust us with what he values most, we want to be able to respond when he's speaking to us so that he trusts us to release his love and power to those around us more. Does this make sense? It's not about earning, but there's a dimension of being faithful with little. You become positioned to be faithful with much. Uh, finally, keep humble a soft heart. It says this in Hebrews 3.15, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. How many of you recognize that sometimes God might say something that requires some obedience from you? God has no problem addressing dysfunction in your life. Did you know that? You're like, I don't, I don't like this kind of prophetic ministry. God has no problem addressing dysfunction in your heart. Here's the cool part. God won't just show you everything wrong with you. It would destroy you. It's layer by layer. It's layer by layer. Because he's so committed. He is so committed to you walking and living in his love. He is constantly gaining that trust factor with you, that he has everything good in store for you, that his plans and purposes for you are to bless you and to prosper you, not to bring you into calamity, not to bring you into harm's way. But how many of you know what that looks like on our end is faith. It looks like trust on our end when we can't see. Does that make sense? So when he says something, it's, it's up to us. The condition of your heart is up to you. It's not up to your church. It's not up to your spouse. It's not up to your friends, your roommate, your coworkers, your boss. I might need to say that again. It's not up to your boss. The condition of your heart is not up to your boss. It's up to you. Daniel had the worst boss in the history of the Old Testament. He was literally making idols of himself. Yet, he kept a soft heart. When, 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 when his boss, when Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, we, we, we see Daniel is entrusted to say, I wish this wasn't your word for you, but it is, and it's not a good word. Does this make sense? See, if, you're, if God gave you a word for your enemy that was, that was bad, would you rejoice in it? It's a, good, it's a good litmus test of your heart. 
Would you be excited to see that harms come to that person? If, if, if you would be, I have news for you. You're, you're not going to be entrusted with the secrets of heaven for that person. Be, does this make sense? Because even in a correctional word, God still has love and redemption baked into it. So for us personally, you know, growth can be challenging and hard. Growth is usually accompanied by a comfort zone that got busted. That God just brings you out of your comfort zone and brings you into a place that you don't want to go to. Guys, that, that's the heart of growth. You want to grow in hearing God's voice? Obey him in those little things with that soft, pliable heart from the Lord. And you know what it might look like sometimes? He's whispering to you to forgive that person. He's whispering to you to not just forgive that person. He's whispering to you, I want you to write a letter. I want you to write a card to celebrate that person. Send them a card. Call them. See, those are the promptings of the Holy Spirit that he will never publicly shame you for not doing. But in private, you know if you're doing it or not. Does this make sense? And there's lots of tests along the way. In the kingdom, every test from the Lord is a pop quiz. He does not email you or text you when it's coming. And it can come in a moment that you think you're doing great. You think you're crushing it. You're like, this is great. My life's getting transformed. I just love Jesus. I gave up all my bad stuff, and God totally transforming me. This is amazing. And then he comes and, and, and asks you for something else. Just this idea of, will you go another step further with me? It's the Lord showing up and saying, how far are you willing to go? Do I have your yes, and are you dead yet? A lot of people give him his yes, and they like, you know, dying a little bit. But Lord, you mean like all the way dead? Like dead, dead? Like dead, dead, dead? Like I just follow you? I'm going to share this, and then we're going we're to take a break. You guys doing okay? We're just going to kind of close with this thought. <clears throat> I mentioned this earlier about really longing to be, be yielded to the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you the definition of yield means to produce fruit or provide. And it's done so by giving up or relinquishing control. So for instance, a field can, can yield a harvest. But it's done so by relinquishing control. That you are fruitful when you relinquish control. That, that's the heart of yielding. That's the heart of God. You know, <laughs> I'm yours, so what you want to say, I want to partner with you in. And here's the really neat part, is that Jesus will actually talk with you about things. Did you know that? He won't just command things of you. He'll actually dialogue with you. It says, if anyone hears my voice and welcomes me, I will come and dine with him. I'm going to say that again, because we miss that often in Revelation, the richness of that verse. If anyone hears my voice... And invites me in, opens the door, it says. I will come in and dine with them. Meaning this, when, when you hear his voice and your heart is open to him in that space, in that thing, he will actually come in and begin to talk with you about it. He won't just say, go do it and then come back to me when it's done. Does that make sense? He actually is so relational that not only will he maybe say something that is challenging for us, he'll actually walk with us the whole way 
His presence will guide us. He'll give us grace-filled words for moments. And then we get totally healed and transformed along the way. Does this make sense, guys? That the invitation to dialogue with Jesus is just so, so huge. So, so huge. I'll, I'll kind of end with this story. Um, my, my older sister, I just think she's amazing. She's the smartest person I know. But maybe besides Rachel. Rachel is super <laughs> smart. Colleen, my older sister, Rachel has a master's degree. She's super, super smart. She's a nurse practitioner. You guys hear me say that a lot. I just love her. I'm sorry. It's just like, I'm not, but I'm not sorry. Uh, she's a nurse practitioner, and she's really funny. She's a great sense of humor. She's beautiful. But I'll be at home, and she'll be on call a lot at different facilities. They, like, call in and stuff, and it'll be at all hours if she's on call. And she'll, she'll go from, like, joking with me and, and, like, my level of, like, language, and then she'll be like, oh, yeah, they need 28 milligrams of CCs of cortisol. I'm like, I don't even know what you just said. I have no clue what's going on there. How many of you know people like that? God gave them just a powerful mind. I just think it's amazing. Well, my sister is one of those people. She, was, she, was, uh, she went to George Washington University, a top school in Washington, D.C., on a presidential scholarship, and got a full ride to Harvard for grad school. Yeah, not everything gets to, to you know, the brothers and sisters in the family. <laughs> now, Colleen is brilliant, just, just brilliant. And uh, she went to school and got all these offers to do stuff, and she chose to do a Teach for America program. She loves the Lord. Went down to, to taught in inner city in Houston, and uh, during that time became uh, friends with some people, her coworkers, teaching second and third graders. And how many of you know, man, you're an angel for that calling and that going, to, oh my, thank you, Jesus, you didn't call me there. Right? We, you could just praise the Lord. If you need something to be, that you feel like, I can't think of anything to be thankful for, just be thankful he didn't call you to be your first or second grade teacher. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you're built for it, it's amazing. She's built for it. She goes down there, <clears throat> doing all this stuff, loves the Lord, uh, and uh, her coworker starts to notice her, starts to really watch her really closely. Her coworker is just watching her every move. How many of you guys know, uh, on a side note, everyone in your life knows you're a Christian? Yeah. Can I just say that? You're not hiding it that well. <laughs> J- just so you know, you are the weird guy who loves Jesus. Just come to terms with that. Like, everyone around you knows it. And sometimes you're like, do people know that I love Jesus? Yes, you're the one that knows Jesus in their life. You think you're like all covert. You're not covert. Jesus puts you on a, on a lamp. He, he doesn't hide you under, uh, under the bed. He actually puts you like a city on a hill. Anyway, we'll talk about that next quarter maybe because I'm getting some weird looks, but it's, it's true. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I'm, I'm derailing here. <clears throat> getting back to my sister Colleen. So she's down there. She's teaching all this stuff. Her coworker's watching her like a hawk. And one day her coworker comes up to her and she's like, hey, um, I noticed that you and I go through the same stuff, and we talk in the break room and stuff, and you go through as much stress as I do with these kids and with parents and with planning, and it's just, how do you do it? Because you never get mad. I never hear you, like, cuss. I, I, like, you don't seem to drink. Like, what are you doing that I'm not doing? And, and Colleen, you know, just begins to share with her. She's like, I have no idea. Truthfully, it's probably because of my relationship with Jesus. She's like, I, but that would all, it wasn't a powerful evangelical response. It was just the truth. She's like, I don't know. It's just, I just rely on Jesus and he really helps me. And so she's like, all right, that wasn't the answer I wanted. So, okay, you know, go back. And they're, they're pals. A couple weeks, months go by and she keeps prodding my sister and uh, then starts asking her stuff like, you know, um, how can I get what you got though? 
like, how can I not be so agitated like, all the time? And my sister Colleen's like, I don't have a great answer for you, but I'll tell you the truth. It's because I have a relationship with Jesus. And she's like, her friend Sarah, her, her name is Sarah, is like, all right, well, what do I do about that then? Give me something practical. She was a doer. Give me something practical. What can I do? And she's like, Colleen goes, are you looking to like, to know Jesus? Like, do you want to explore like what he's like? Like, what do you mean? And she's like, yeah, I want to know Jesus. Like, what do I do? And so she's like, all right. She, now Colleen, just brilliant, totally of the Lord. She goes, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home and I want you to sit in a chair in your dining room and I want you to take out another chair and I want you to put a chair right across from you and I want you to sit down and I just want you to imagine Jesus sitting there and then just talk to him. So she's like, that is so weird. <laughs> she's like, all right. Well, she goes home. Why? Because she kept on seeing that my sister had something she wanted. So she's like, I need it. She goes home, does exactly what she says. Chair out, sits in a chair, and before she opens her mouth, just cries for about an hour. Just begins to have an encounter with Jesus without saying anything. Began to, be, began to recognize she was so known by him already that she didn't even need to tell him the stuff. She just began to melt in front of his presence. Why? She had pretty great faith, if you ask me. She did the stuff. When Jesus like, go to that, go walk that to 10 miles to that lake, and a couple did, and they got healed, she did the stuff. She just, she just kind of went for it. You know, that is someone that began to have great dialogue with Jesus in their life. That she began to talk with Jesus. She got saved. She's this powerful, crazy, fire-breathing missionary now. But, but, it, but it started with someone who pointed them to God's voice. It, it started with someone that actually sat down. And it's a great example of having a soft heart before the king of kings. And sitting there and talking as though he is relational. Because he is. He, he invented relationship. He didn't just give it to you and I as a crux. He, he actually invented it. And so he wants to participate with us in that journey. So when we hear him, we get to talk with him about what he's saying. Amen? All right, put your hand on your heart, Lord. We just thank you right now, Jesus, that you have such personal things to release into our life. And we just open up the gates of our heart, God. We open up our gates wide and just ask Jesus that, that you would just refresh us or maybe even remind us of things, God, that you've been speaking to us in some way in the recent past, Lord, and any ways that you've been speaking to us, and maybe we've dismissed it or neglected it, God, we, we just repent and just ask Jesus that you would just remind me, Lord, remind us of what are those whispers and those things that you've just been putting your finger on, God. Lord, we want to partner with you, and I just thank you, Jesus, that you invite us into relationship with you, that you invite us into asking you questions about things. So Holy Spirit, we thank you and ask God that, that what you started, Lord, you would just remind us of so that we can quickly just partner with you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we say you are the best, that you have the best in mind, that you have the best in store, and that we can fully trust you with every area of our life. So we just yield all that stuff we're putting our hand on right now. We just yield it and surrender it to you afresh, Jesus. And we say thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Amen.